when we talk about indian history at some point in the discussion inevitably we run into this great problem the problem of indus valley civilization and you may ask how is that really a problem and i'll tell you why and uh, how it's politically charged issue so there are two explanations that we got get that uh, one is that indus valley civilization just like many other it arose and it fell and then somewhere else another indian civilization arose so that is one version the second version says that it was a part of the continuous indian civilization and it was a part of it and it is still continuing in the rest of india and what makes it politically charged because the theory of aryan invasion or aryan immigration is also linked with it so the according to the first belief the aryans were the outsiders who came to india and settled here according to the second belief that uh, people who founded hinduism were the natives and they have lived here all along so you can see how these uh, slightly different versions of history can have different consequences in terms of today's politics especially when you talk about who is the insider and who is the outsider so in this context i'm talking about today's book which is called land of the seven rivers written by sanjeev sanyal and uh, although this book is particularly about the history of the geography of india we get certain clues about uh, the indus valley civilization and uh, when we see this civilization through different lenses for example through its geography through its archaeology we can have much more reasonable discussions around it and which is precisely what the author does in this book so this is what i'm going to do today i'm going to narrate you the parts about this specific question about the indus valley civilization and its fate and the two narratives that we have around it so the following excerpts are taken from the book let's start we now know that this civilization did not suddenly appear or disappear excavations in mehrgarh near quetta in balochistan pakistan show the gradual evolution from neolithic village to an increasingly more sophisticated culture from around 7000 bc the earliest recognizably harappan sites date to 3500 bc this early phase lasts till around 2600 bc we then enter the mature phase from 2600 bc to 2000 bc this is when the great cities were at their height note that this is a bronze age culture and there is no systematic use of iron then from around 2000 bc we have a steady disintegration that lasts till 1400 bc that is usually called as late harappan this is a simplified timeline in reality cities rose and fell and were sometimes rebuilt on older sites 
Some areas flourished when others were in decline. Nonetheless, there are clear signs that the overall civilization was in severe stress after 2000 BC. We see steady deterioration in municipal governance till one by one the great cities are abandoned. What went wrong? It was once believed that Aryan invasions from Central Asia, they had caused the collapse of the Indian, Indian Indus Valley civilization. However, there is no sign that Harappan cities were laid waste by invaders. The evidence strongly points to the wrath of nature. The number of studies show that the area which is today the Thar Desert was once far wetter and the climate gradually became drier. However, the exact trajectory of this change is somewhat disputed. It is possible that the process of drying was already underway when the mature Harappan period began. However, around 2200 BC, we find that the monsoons had become distinctly weaker and there were prolonged droughts. In fact, there is a widespread phenomenon that also affected Egypt and Turkey. By itself, this would have caused an agricultural crisis for a heavily populated region. However, the Harappans were hit by an even bigger problem. The problem of the drying up of the river system on which the civilization was based. A simple map of Harappan sites would be enough to illustrate that the largest concentration of settlements is not centered around the Indus but around the dry riverbed of the Ghaggar. It is now little more than a dry riverbed that contains water only after heavy rains. However, surveys and satellite photographs confirm that it was once a great river that rose in the Himalayas, entered the plains in Haryana, flowed through the Thar, Cholistan desert of Rajasthan and eastern Sindh and then reached the sea in the run of Kutch in Gujarat. Indeed, the strange marshy landscape of the run of Kutch is partly due to the fact that it was once the estuary of a great river. Although much of this course is now dry desert and often hidden under sand, satellite photographs show that there is still a substantial amount of underground water along the old channels. This has been confirmed by drilling wells that have given fresh water at shallow depths even in the middle of the Thar desert. The Ghagar emerges from hills just east of Chandigarh but is joined by a number of other seasonal rivers in the plains of northern Haryana. There is evidence that the Ghagar and or some of these rivers were perennial in ancient times. Moreover, satellite images show that both the Satluj and the Yamuna once flowed into the Ghagar, which would have made the Ghagar a mighty river. However, at some point the Ghagar appears to have lost its main sources of glacial melt from the Himalayas even as the Satluj and the Yamuna, its largest tributaries, abandoned it for the Indus and the Ganga respectively. Tectonic shifts appear to have played a role in this. As a result, we find that the river no longer flowed to the sea. The Ghagar may have struggled on with the help of rain-fed seasonal tributaries, 
but even these failed as the climate changed. The sequence of events may have taken decades or centuries to play out and uh, different parts of the Harappan world would have experienced different sub-cycles. Cities on the banks of the Indus, for, ex for ex example, may have suffered floods as Satluj waters suddenly entered their ecosystem. The Pakistan floods of 2010 provide a glimpse of what this may have felt like, especially if such an event had caused the Indus itself to shift course. What does the drying of the Gagar tell us about the fate of the Harappans? It appears that the climate was wetter and the Gagar was in full flow during the early phase of the civilization. Perhaps the earthquakes of 2600 BC attested to both at Kalibanga and Dholavira were related to the tectonic shifts that affected either the Yamuna or the Satluj. Interestingly, we find that the mature Harappan phase takes off only after the Gagar was already drying. One wonders if the drying weather and the drying river created a climatic sweet spot that allowed the urban centers to flourish. This may explain why there is a dense concentration of mature Harappan sites in the Thar Desert around the time we think that the Gagar may have already started to dry. Unfortunately, around 2000 BC, conditions again took a sharp turn for the worse. Eventually, the lack of water began to weigh against the Harappans. Their carefully managed cities began to disintegrate and they began to migrate. This would not be the last time that cities in the subcontinent would suffer from the vagaries of too much or too little water. One can imagine long lines of bullock carts heavily laden with personal belongings leaving their old villages and cities in search of more secure future. The scene was replayed in 2010 when Pakistan was devastated by floods. In the north, the Harappans moved northeast to the Yamuna and Ganga. In Gujarat, the cities in Kutch were abandoned in favor of new settlements in the Narmada and Tapti valleys to the south. The late Harappan sites show a degree of cultural continuity, but there is a clear shift towards smaller settlements. The old urban sophistication has clearly bro broken down. Thus ended India's first experience of urbanization. So where did the Harappans go? The archaeological evidence suggests that they slowly drifted east and south and that their culture and genes lived on in India. However, archaeologists and historians disagree, disagree bitterly on this. Romila Thapur, Thapur, an eminent historian, is of the opinion that the material culture shows no continuities. In contrast, Bibi Lal, a former director general of the Archaeological Survey and one of India's most celebrated archaeologists, argues that many of the present-day cultural traits are rooted in the Harappan civilization. We have already discussed the similarity between modern-day bullock carts and those used by the Harappans. However, Bibi Lal puts forward a formidable body of evidence that the Harappan legacy is not just visible in later Indian civilization, but is present in everyday life to this day. 
Take for example the Namaste, the common Indian way to show respect to both people and to the gods. There are several clay figurines from Harappan sites that show a person with palms held together in a Namaste. There are even terracotta dolls of women with red vermilion on their foreheads. Is this the origin of the sindoor used by the married women in Hindu cultures? All of these are intriguing thoughts, but we cannot be absolutely sure that these had the same meaning for the Harappans. In his recent book, Michel Danino has collected even more examples of continuity. We have already discussed the persistence of the ratio 5 is to 4 in the previous chapter. We see the use of such ratios in many facets of Harappan life. They also had a standardized system of weights and measures, many of which are echoed 2000 years later in the Arthashastra, a manual on governance and political economy written in the 3rd century BC. Danino calculates that the standard length used by the planners in Dolavira was 1.9 meters, which is the same unit called Dhanush used in the Arthashastra. He then shows that this unit was divided into 108 subunits of 1.76 cm each. This fits well with the 108 finger widths that made up a Dhanush. In fact, the old system appears to have survived in a few places into the 20th century. Till India switched a few decades ago to the metric system, the traditional weights and measures used in some parts of the subcontinent bore a striking resemblance to those used by the Harappan people. According to John Michener, the difference was less than 1.8%. Not bad for a time lapse of over 4,000 years. Most interesting of all, chess pieces that look remarkably like modern equivalents have been found at Harappan sites. It has long been known that chess originated in India, but it is extraordinary that the game or something similar was being played more than 4,000 years ago. Even the famous town planning of the Harappans may have survived in the later times. The streets of Kalibanga, a large site in Indian Punjab, are laid out with widths in a progression of 1.9 meter, 3.8 meter, 5.7 meter, and 7.6 meters, the same as those prescribed in the Arthashastra. In short, the Harappans did not just disappear, they live on amongst us. They merged with a wider population and seeded what we now know as the Indian civilization. However, Indian civilization has parallel roots, in particular the Vedic tradition and its continuous history to this day.